Why don't you turn with me in your Bible to Matthew chapter 4? And I'm beginning a new series today that I'm calling Gospel. Gospel. This word gospel is it's in the Bible, and it feels a little antiquated at times. Like, oh, that's an old churchy word, right? Um, but gospel wasn't really a churchy word. It was really a biblical concept, right? It was a God concept um, more than just a churchy word. Um, you know, when I uh, was younger, I used to play golf. I don't get to play golf much, much anymore. I just, I, it's just not enough time. But I used to play golf. In fact, when I was young and single, I played golf all the time. In fact, in high school, I was a pretty good golfer. And I remember playing in this one tournament. And, and back then, courses weren't exactly like they are today. Like now, if you're on a golf team, usually you play really nice courses. Uh, we did play some nice courses, but we also played some that were kind of like we were, they put us in a pasture with little sticks in the ground. And that's what it felt like. And you couldn't always tell where the fairway was because, you know, it looked like sheep had been grazing the night before. Um, and so um, I remember being in this tournament and, and I had a, it's a par five and uh, I'd hit a great tee shot and was ready to hit my second shot. And, and I looked, got a yardage and I thought, okay, I can actually get there in two and have a great opportunity for an eagle. And so I pulled out, you know, what was back then a three wood, um, and, and made a great swing, great contact. The ball is soaring right at the pin. I'm thinking, all right, man, I'm going to be in great shape for an eagle. And then I hear someone who had played the course before behind me say, why'd you hit it over there? <laughs> and, and what I realized, because I had never played the course, what I realized is there were kind of two flags, and I just hit a great shot at the wrong flag. And what I realized in that moment, now back by this time I had really surrendered to the Lord and I didn't cuss a whole lot, but I wanted to. And, um, and what I realized at that point, it doesn't matter how good of a shot you hit if you're aimed at the wrong thing. And, and I think when it comes to the gospel, I could almost apply that concept that if we don't really understand what the gospel is, because, because our relationship with Jesus calls us into the gospel. We have to, every person's going to respond to the gospel, right? Every person is going to respond to the gospel. And for us that choose to follow Jesus, then we're pulled into the gospel. And then we have a responsibility to announce the gospel. And, and we talk about preaching the gospel. I don't like the word preaching because you think of preaching as something that I do because I'm a preacher, right? And so when we put preaching in front of the gospel, it, it becomes a vocational responsibility, right? Instead of the responsibility of anyone who follows Jesus. The word preaching that's interpreted in most of the Bibles, by the way, doesn't actually mean preaching necessarily. It's actually to announce or proclaim, right? And, and it becomes a responsibility of everybody, but we have to be we have to be sure of what the gospel actually is. And let me explain what I mean by that. If I asked every person in this room, if I asked you to tell me what the gospel is, and I said, I, like two, two sentences or one sentence, whatever, I want you to tell me what the gospel is. Most of the people in this room, and, and no condemnation here, right? But if you would, just think about it, all right? Don't answer it out loud, but real quick, play along, all right? Play, Jesus is watching, play along. What's the gospel? Well, probably for most people, you responded something along these lines. Well, God sent his son, right? We go to John 3, 16. God so loved it. He sent his son. His son died for us. He took our sin. 
and now we can live forever, right? And most of us would say that is the gospel. The word gospel in the Greek is this word uh, evangelion. It actually is where we get evangel and even evangelize. Um, it just means good news. And for us, that's right. That's good news, right? Jesus died and rose again. And, and I don't really dispute that that's good news, right? Sometimes I think if the gospel were bad news, it'd spread faster. Right? Let a pastor mess up and people who have never told anyone about Jesus will go all over Facebook and everything else and talk about how bad that guy is, right? Mm, eh, praise the Lord. Anyway, so, um, <laughs> but, but that, that, the gospel just means good news or glad tidings, right? And that's what, when the angels actually come and they announce to the shepherds, there's a savior born. We bring good tidings of great joy. Good tidings of great joy. Good tidings there is the same, uh, same, same root word, evangel, right? And it's, it's the same idea that we're announcing some good news. And so if I said, announce the good news, this is the gospel. We're all called. In fact, Jesus said, go into all the world, what? And announce good news. Like our job's really simple. We made it complicated because we said, preach the gospel. But really it's announce good news. Right? Remember, it's the goodness of God that brings people to repentance. Right? You can hold up a sign for the rest of your life, God hates fags. No one's coming to Jesus that way. That's not announcing good news. That's being a moron. Right? <laughs> and just, oh, God, did he say that in church, Ethel? <laughs> well, sometimes you just need to call it like it is. So, so if I said, what's the gospel? Then we say, oh, Jesus died and rose again. Here's the only problem, and this is where we're going to start our conversation. That is not what Jesus preached. Jesus never one time said, hey, I died and rose again so that you could live forever in heaven. He never, in fact, we'll get to this, his, his message wasn't even aimed at heaven. It was actually aimed at earth. If you're writing this down, here are three basic points, and you could write this down because every good message has three basic points, but... The first one is this, that Jesus preached a kingdom. He preached about a kingdom. Um, Matthew 4, 17 is where Jesus starts his public ministry. It would just take him three years to revolutionize the world. And what he did in that three years is still revolutionizing the world. But Jesus started by saying, the Bible says he began to preach and say, watch this, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Notice he said, the he's actually saying repent because the kingdom is here. He, he is not saying repent so you can go there. Interesting idea. Let's look at what Jesus' message pretty much was. Matthew 4.23. We go a few verses farther. It says, Jesus went about all of Galilee teaching in their synagogues. Watch. Preaching the gospel, there's our word, the good news, announcing some good news, right? So Jesus is going about and he's announcing good news. And what is the good news? It's the good news of the kingdom. It's the good news of the kingdom. What was his message? Well, it was about a kingdom. Here's, we can see it again, Matthew 9, 35. And then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, announcing a kingdom. The good news was the announcement of a kingdom. You need to understand when Jesus said, I need to announce good news, 
then his idea was, I'm going to announce that there's a kingdom here. There hasn't been a king here, a kingdom here, but now there is a kingdom here because the king is here, and wherever the king is, the kingdom is. And so what Jesus' message of hope and good news was for all of creation was, there's a kingdom here. Really, Jesus had one sermon series. He just had a lot of different messages, but one series, the series was called The Kingdom of Heaven is Like. Because every time someone asked him a question, almost every time he started to explain something, he would start with this phrase, the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. The kingdom of heaven is like Laban, right? The kingdom of heaven, right? And he would just go about talking about this. And, and this is what, when it says he preached the gospel, Jesus couldn't even preach what we call the gospel because he was still alive. Right? One time he tried to, in a way, infer what we call the gospel because he explains to his followers, pretty much I'm going to die. And Peter rebuked him. And then he called Peter Satan. And that's a bad day for anybody. <laughs> See, Jesus' message offered a solution, a provision, and a mission. There's a vast difference between his gospel and what many people call the gospel. Now, let me explain. What most people, if we talk about Jesus died so that we could um, receive him and live forever, what we actually call that would really be the gospel of atonement, right? It's the good news that you can be reconciled to God. And that's a part of the message. But the problem is that gospel doesn't offer, it offers an eternal solution. It offers an eternal provision, right? And it even offers an eternal purpose. But it doesn't offer a solution for now. It doesn't offer a provision for now. And it doesn't offer a mission for now. And so Jesus' message called us into an explanation of there's a solution, there's a provision, and there's a mission. If you think about it, um, if we're going around announcing Jesus died so that you can die and go to heaven, that's good news if you compare it to you can die and go to hell. Like, it's really good news then, right? Right? Like, hey, but, but it's still, it's, here's the thing. It is not actually giving, it is not actually invoking or bestowing any power. Right? It's not actually transferring any responsibility to us. It's still saying, hey, you and God got to work that out. And, and I hope you get it right because I don't want you to burn in hell. Right? But Jesus' gospel seemed to do more than that because he preached this gospel that the, the good news to him was not that you could die and go to heaven. Now, that's, that's good news. But to Jesus, the good news was that there's actually a kingdom on this earth. And you can't really see it because you don't have the eyes to see it yet. And you can't really interact with it. And sometimes it's a little bit hard to perceive. In fact, he would say to the religious people, seeing they still don't see. Hearing, they still don't hear. And understanding, they still don't understand. Right? Because religion's a terrible substitute for kingdom. Religion's just easier for us to wrap our minds around. And so, so Jesus went about teaching this message that this good news that, hey, there's actually a kingdom now on the earth. Like that, and this kingdom has power and it has authority 
has the right to rule. In fact, if we backed up, you could write this down. God designed a kingdom. God, here's, here, just have fun. God never designed a religion. Um, do you remember the one group of people Jesus seemed to really butt heads with? It was the, like Jesus had no problems with pimps and prostitutes, but give him a preacher, he didn't know what to do with them. Right? But God actually designed the kingdom. Genesis 126 through 28, God says, um, he said, then let us. So if God said, let us, there's your Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Now here's a key phrase. Let them have dominion. Come back to that over the fish, over the birds, over the cattle, and over the creeps. I like this. It's a good passage for some of you over the creeping things that creeps on the earth. So God actually gave us authority over creeps, if that applies. All right, so, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, watch this, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion. Dominion, we see it yet again. In this passage is God's mission for man, vision for man, and purpose for man. Right? In this passage is vision, mission, and purpose for man. In Jesus' message was the solution for man, the provision for man, and the, the mission, the vision, or the purpose for man. Right? It's the same thing. In here we see the word dominion. If we looked at when Jesus said he preached the gospel of the kingdom, the word is basilia. Basilia actually means dominion, royal power, or sovereignty. So when Jesus is saying, I'm preaching the gospel of the kingdom, he's actually saying, here's the good news. There's a dominion. There's a royal power and there's a sovereignty. Like this is what I'm declaring, that there's dominion, royal power, and sovereignty. When God then, because if you divide kingdom, it's actually king and dominion. That's where we get the word kingdom, right? King and dominion, right? So basilia, meaning royal power, sovereignty, dominion. When you translate that back into dominion, it's still the same thing, dominion. Royal power and sovereignty. So you need to understand that the way God set up the earth was that God is sovereign over all. Psalm 115 says, but the earth he has given to the sons of men. God is sovereign over all, but the earth, like it says, the heavens, even the heavens are the world. This is the actual verse. Even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he's given to the sons of men. So God is sovereign over all, but Adam was actually sovereign over the earth. Because a kingdom has to have land. Without land, there's no kingdom. You understand this, right? Why do you think all the emperors in history, was try they were trying to conquer more land? The more land, the more power, right? The greater the kingdom. So the earth became the, the, the tierra, the ground, where God's kingdom, he wanted his kingdom established on the earth. And so he made Adam sovereign. How could he tell, how could he tell Adam I want you to rule dominion, royal power over the earth if that wasn't his plan, if he didn't have the authority to do that, right? And so God actually created, if you will, he designed earth to be a kingdom. In fact, it was a colony. God is sovereign over all. Adam was sovereign over the earth, right? 
And God said, I want you to have dominion, right? And so earth was actually designed, if you will, kind of like you remember that Roman Empire. This is why I think Jesus came during the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire was the first empire that when they conquered a people or a land, they didn't bring the people into Rome. They would send out a governor or a royal and place them over the colony of that area, like Antioch that we talked about last week. Antioch was not in Rome, but it was under Roman rule, right? It was a colony of Rome, but not inside of Rome. And, and that Rome, Rome was the first empire to do that. And to me, that's what heaven and earth, or heaven is the control center, right? It is the main empire, but earth was supposed to be a colony that looked like heaven. And so he says, Adam, I'm sovereign over all. I'm going to make you the royal power over earth. Now subdue and take dominion. Right? It's actually, there's, there's man's vision, mission, and purpose. Subdue, take dominion, be the royal power, be the sovereign over the earth. Right? Um, but there's, there's a problem, see? There's a problem. And the problem is that the enemy came. So the enemy comes and he beguiles Adam, if you will. Right? Are you with me so far? And we know Adam and Eve, they eat the apple, things go bad. In fact, it's interesting because God makes a covenant with Adam, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, take dominion. God makes a similar promise to Noah. Remember, Noah was the guy that built the big boat. But when God talks to Noah, he says something a little different. He says, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. He doesn't say subdue and take dominion. Why? Because the, 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 the throne, if you will, there'd been a revolution, there'd been an overthrow of the government, and Satan had actually taken the authority over the, 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 the earth, right? So now on earth you have a kingdom of the world and a kingdom of God, right? Both kingdoms are vying for earth. See, Satan wanted a kingdom, right? Because he wanted to be like God. He wanted, he wanted to be a sovereign, but you can't have a kingdom without land, Right, So this unemployed cherub decides to trick Adam and Eve and gain, if you will, the throne over the earth. Right, That's why the Bible talks about the kingdom of the world or the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of God's Son. Right, Two kingdoms, one earth. So that's the way it runs, and when Satan takes over, it runs downhill really quickly. In fact, as soon as he took over, we had marital strife, we had the first murder, right? Then we have a son who's banished from God completely in Cain, right? And so, and then it just, and then it got bad, right? And so, and, he, um, <laughs> and so that moves on until Jesus shows up and then says, hey, I'm, I've come to announce what? See, for this time, there's been one kingdom here, the kingdom of the world over earth, kingdom of darkness over earth. Jesus' message was, oh, there's a new kingdom. There's a new, there's a new world order, if you will. I've come to take over and to take back. That's why Jesus said, now I've given you the keys of the kingdom. What, what do you say? I, I've, I've come to get it back, to establish a kingdom and I'm going to give you what? You're the sovereigns. I'm going to give you the keys. And then he said, whatever is loosed in heaven, you can loose on the earth. Whatever is bound in heaven, you can... See, there it is. Rome, colony. Heaven, colony. We have the authority to make earth look like heaven. In fact, Jesus said, when you pray, here's the first thing you pray. Your kingdom come. 
your will be done on earth. Because that's actually why we're here. That's actually our purpose. That's, that's our mission, if you will, right? Now, here's the problem, and here's why this is freaking your brain out, right? Because we have not been raised. Let me give you an example. Um, you know, uh, there's Prince, most of us are familiar with Prince Harry and Prince William and Prince William and Kate, and they're like on their second or third child, and now Prince Harry's about to get married, it seems. Um, here's what I can tell you. When those princes were born, they were taught not to think like you. By the time they were five years old, they had people 60 years older than kneeling before them and calling them master, and they didn't think that was weird. In fact, there, there were tutors and educators brought to them, and they had all these classes to attend because they were raised, what? To think like royals, not subjects, right? Colossians 1, 3, and 13 says that, we were translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his son, right? See, here's the problem. We were educated by the wrong kingdom. We were educated by a kingdom that tries to bind. We're educated by a kingdom that comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. And now, through faith, we've moved into a new kingdom. We're still on the earth, but there are two kingdoms here now. Right? One has authority, one's lost all authority, but it still has some power, mostly through manipulation and lie. Are you with me? Look at Galatians chapter 4, verse 1. This will help you. It says, I mean that an heir, as long as he is a child, that would be immature or unknowing, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. You can be an heir of everything, an owner of everything, but still behave as though you have nothing, is what he's saying. Verse 3, in the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved, watch this, to the elementary principles of the world. There's a kingdom of the world and the kingdom of God. Listen, the elementary, we were taught the elementary principles of the world. And what was the result? We were enslaved. Right? This is why even now you're like, what is he talking about? I don't even understand this. Can't we just have one of those Jesus loves us and everything's going to be okay messages? Yeah, this one's actually better than that. But I mean, but if you need that one, Jesus loves you and everything's going to be okay. Amen. All right. <laughs> so, but, but how, were we, how were we put in bondage? Because we were taught... The kingdom of the world, right? We're taught the king. In the kingdom of the world, most marriages end in divorce. That's just normal. That's why it just doesn't work out. In the kingdom of the world, you're just going to be sick. In the kingdom of the world, you're going to struggle to try to pay your bills. This is what we've been taught, right? And we have these cute little phrases where we announce the kingdom of the world. Well, I've just got more month than I've got paycheck. It says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under law. Watch, to redeem those who were under the law. What? Of the principles of the world so that we might, what? Receive the adoption as sons. Um, do you guys remember The Man in the Iron Mask? It was a movie back in the 90s. It was about the three musketeers. 
all for one, one for all. Right? So, um, but in the, the man, I don't know how true the movie is, but it's a great movie. But anyways, and if you don't like it, then it's still a great movie. But, um, but it's Leonardo DiCaprio, and, and he is uh, King Louis, who is Luke, King Louis' son. So there was King Louis, and he has um, two children, but they're boys. They're twins, Louis and Philippe. And in his concern that the kingdom would be split, he sent Philippe into exile, if you will. And so Philippe never knew who he was, and Louis didn't really know about Philippe. But then Louis is the firstborn, so he is heir to the throne. And once he takes the throne, he learns about Philippe, and he has him incarcerated in prison and placed in an iron mask so no one could see his identity because obviously he looks just like Louis. They're identical twins, right? But Philippe never understood why he was enslaved and why he was placed in an iron mask. But then Louis going nuts, right? And the three musketeers decide, well, it's time for a changing of the guard. And so they literally sneak into the prison. Um, they, they capture Philippe or, or rescue Philippe out of the prison. And their plan is to make Philippe the king and put Louis in prison, Right. But the thing, it has this amazing scene where, because Philippe has no idea why he's been enslaved and why his identity has been hidden from him and everyone else. And then they have this moment of explaining, you're not actually a slave, you're actually royalty. I think that's what Paul was trying to tell the Galatians. Like, your whole life, the kingdom of this world has been trying to keep you from understanding who you are. Because as long as you don't understand who you are, you pose no threat to the kingdom of darkness. And so God sends forth Jesus and Jesus says, I need to announce a kingdom because you're part of a kingdom because you're actually sovereigns and royals. It's interesting because Philippe looked just like the king and he was an heir the same as the king. And we are predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, and we are heirs and co-heirs with Christ. I'm pretty sure they never thought that movie would be preached, but that's a good message. Right? But the problem is we've been taught not to think like royals. When the Bible says we need to renew our minds, it is not telling us we need to think better thoughts. It's not a humanistic answer, right, of, well, just, you know, I'm good enough and I'm smart enough and gosh darn it, people like me. That's not what the Bible is for. It's actually to renew our minds. It's to renew the processes of our mind where we think like sons, where we think like royals and not like subjects or servants. Are you with me? And so in Romans, 4, in Romans 12, when it's talking about be renewed in the spirit of your mind, it's like you have a Holy Spirit who is going to lead you into sonship. He's going to teach you to think like a sovereign if you'll let him and stop arguing with him. Well, I just couldn't pray that prayer. Nothing would happen. Don't argue with the Holy Spirit. Like he's God. Are, are you with me? That's the problem. See, God's original plan, if you think about it, in Genesis, he creates man. He said, you're going to have dominion and you're going to subdue, right? Then we know there's the fall and Satan takes over. And then all of a sudden Jesus comes and he's like, hey, repent. Why? There's a kingdom. There's a kingdom here. 
and it's, it's really close to you, but, but you've been taught to think and see and hear this way. And because you don't have the capacity, you, you're going to have to try to reach for it. You're going to have to try to figure it out. Mine's going to be renewed. There's things that's going to happen, but there's a kingdom here. And this kingdom has authority over this kingdom. Right? And, and then Jesus said, now I'm going to give you the keys, and I want you to go preach the gospel. And then the way this whole thing ends, see, when you're God, see, sometimes we think that in the fall, well, God had a plan, and now God doesn't get what he wanted because we messed it up. But if you're God, you only need one plan. You don't need a plan B because, because you're God. Because when you follow it all the way through, he created man. He said, once you have dominion, Jesus then shows up and said, all power is given to me. I want you to go and preach the gospel, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead. And then if you fast forward to Revelation um, chapter 5, verse 10, it says, and, and, and he's made us kings. Do you see that? He, Jesus has made us kings. We're a kingdom, a royal priesthood. He has made us kings and priests to our God. Watch this. And we're going to reign where? On the earth. See, the problem with the other gospel is it's all we're trying to escape the earth. Right? Because that's kind of like, I, I felt this way sometimes watching some Christian TV. Not all, but some Christian TV. It's, it's like we got this idea that, that we're going to believe in God so that God can rescue us out of the earth and then nuke the place. And in a way, we can kind of laugh at the people that didn't believe our message. It's like the Christian's revenge. Vengeance is mine. I mean, we even have a verse for it, right? But when you read the Bible, that's not what it is. Jesus has been trying since the fall. God has been working, what? To make all things new. Why would we want God to nuke our inheritance? Because the Bible says he's given us the nations of this world as our inheritance. Right? Some of us want God to nuke our trust fund. Right? Because the way this thing ends is we rule and reign with Jesus on, on the earth. Like we're going to get to see this planet the way it was supposed to be made. That's what it means by he's going to make all things new. Right? If you think about it, the Bible says, Roman 8, that creation, the earth is groaning for what? The sons of God to be. Why? Because the earth is enslaved to what? The kingdom of darkness. And it's groaning, the earth is. It doesn't say heaven's groaning. It says the earth's groaning for the kingdom of God to be, for the sons of God to be revealed. Are, are you getting this? It's just, I understand. You're, I mean, I understand, like, because some of you are like, I get it. I've had a long time to think about this. Remember, I just sit around and think of weird things all the time while you're doing real life. But, but this is what you need to understand because this is the gospel that Jesus preached. In fact, it, it, was, a, it was a solution of provision and mission because truthfully, our, our purpose, if you will, is to expand the kingdom. This is point three. You could write this down. But, but we actually expand the kingdom, right? This, this was the good news of Jesus that, hey, there's a kingdom here and it has a solution and a provision and a mission for mankind, Right? Because this is why I put believe, belong, um, believe, belong, become, and build. 
as our four B's, the mission of our church, because those are all values of the kingdom. Faith, right? Family, belonging, right? Becoming into his image, right? And then building, right? Expanding the kingdom. They're all kingdom values, right? We just, there again, we were just sitting around thinking, and we thought, what are some kingdom values? That's right. And so, and so we actually think about this. Number one, it's Jesus' message, the gospel, the good news of the kingdom. Number one, it's a solution. Because what Jesus is saying, if you've looked around recently, you've probably seen some jacked up stuff. Could anyone, anybody watch the news yesterday? I don't watch it because I like being positive. Ignorance is bliss, man. I am so happy not watching the news. Most of it now isn't even news. It's made up. It's opinions. Right? Here's my opinion. I don't care about your opinion. It's kind of like armpits. Everybody's got some. They all stink. <laughs> solution. <laughs> because here's what, here's what he's saying. There's a solution. In other words, if you look at her, something's missing. In fact, in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, when Jesus starts his ministry, he goes to church, he preaches a sermon, and he reads from the book of Isaiah, which was a prophecy. And he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Watch, because he's anointed me. To proclaim, here we are, we're back to proclaiming the good news. Now, what do you think the good news was? The kingdom, right? And why do we need to proclaim the kingdom? Jesus says we need to proclaim the kingdom. Here's why. Because first of all, there's some poor. Secondly, there's some captives. Thirdly, there's some blind. And fourthly, there's oppressed people. In other words, he's saying, hey, the kingdom is a solution for these things. Do you see what I'm saying? And so what he was saying is, I've got to preach the gospel because the good news of the kingdom addresses not what happens after we die, but it actually, it actually um, confronts the present condition of the brokenness of the human race. Are you with me? And so what he said is, hey, there, first of all, there's poverty here. And, and in the kingdom... See, the kingdom exists because of grace. He gets to the end, he says, to preach the favor, God's favor. What is that? It's grace, unmerited. God's pouring out. In other words, the solution is all by God's grace, but the solution actually confronts poverty. It confronts um, blindness. It confronts oppression. It confronts captivity. So here he is. There's poor. Why is there poor? Because you're, you're in captivity. What? to the principles of the world, right? So, so we're confronting poverty. We're also confronting captivity. Then we're confronting blindness. What's that? In other words, our bodies are broken. And then oppression, what is that? Our souls are crushed. So here's what he's saying. It, essentially, the kingdom has a solution for poverty. It has a solution for bondage. It has a solution for health. And it has a solution for wholeness. Are you with me? And then he goes on to say, not only does it have solution for that in the great by and by, it has provision for that today. Because see, the, the message that Jesus preached seemed to have immediate results. Let's go back to Matthew chapter four, if you will. Matthew chapter four, verse 23, it says, he went through Galilee teaching their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing. Every disease and every affliction among the people. And his fame spread throughout all of Syria. And they brought him all the sick. Those afflicted with various diseases and pains. Those oppressed by demons, epileptics and paralytics. And he healed them. And you can put this word there, by the way, all. 
and great crowds followed him from Galilee. Do you see that his, his gospel wasn't that God can give you the grace just to get through it until you can die and go to heaven. His gospel was something of power. That See, because his gospel was aimed at earth. His whole mission was restoring a planet. Not, not the final escape of the people. Right? Here's, here's what I'm saying as passionately I can say this without screaming. So just imagine I'm screaming right now. Because some people say, why do you have to scream? And I'm like, I don't really scream, but I do get loud. I have big lungs. I'm a big guy. I think it has to do with passion. I would try to be boring, but I can't really be boring unless you wanted me to teach you English or something. And that's not my thing. If you've heard me talk, I, English is obviously not my thing. Right? I can't speak English. I speak mostly East Texan. Right? But as passionately I can say this, I just want to kind of shake everybody and say, we need to wake up a little bit here to understand that, that with the best of intentions, a lot of Christianity has been a great shot at the wrong flag. Right? And, and we have been hitting our best. Hey, receive Jesus so you don't burn in hell. <laughs> Here's the problem with that. It offers no hope, no solution, no provision for today. It offers no purpose for my life. But when I understand I'm, a so I'm supposed to be a sovereign and a royal, that actually I'm supposed to determine what happens on this planet. And every day I'm supposed to leave. See, I'm supposed to leave the church so I can actually do what God's called me to do. <laughs> See, because it, it's it, his mission, it, so solution, provision, but then mission. This is actually our mission. See, our assignment is to increase a spiritual dominion over a physical planet. That, that is what I, right? Now, if you think about it, our job, our job is to increase the influence. Jesus in Matthew 13 gives two parables uh, one is a mustard seed and one is about leaven. And again, he was preaching his series, The Kingdom of Heaven is Like, and he said, The Kingdom of Heaven is like a mustard seed. Like, that's an awesome sermon, Jesus. He didn't have three points. He didn't have a poem. The Kingdom of Heaven is like a mustard seed. And here's what he said. It's the smallest seed, but when full grown, it's the greatest of all the herbs. In fact, it becomes a tree that animals can actually live in. All right, now hold on to that. Then he goes into this new one. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven. Bestseller, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and he said leaven, it's like, a, a, it's like a, a lady who's making bread and she has three measures of flour, so a big old thing of flour, and she puts in just this little, we'd call it a smidge, right? If you ever cooked with your grandma, right? You remember that? Because my granny didn't have one recipe written down. She said, oh, honey, we just put a smidge in there. Spell that. But anyways, um, or, or my favorite was smidgen. We had a smidgen. Anybody else have a smidgen? Yeah, my granny had a smidgen. That was, that was smaller than a smidge. Anyways, um, anyways and, but this, this woman was making bread, three, three measures of flour, and then she puts this smidge of, of leaven in, and it says, and it works through all the flour. What's it saying? The kingdom of heaven is all about influence. Because the way this works is we're supposed to increase the influence of the kingdom of heaven until it spreads through the whole earth. Are you with me? And, and so our whole role here, really, 
Our whole role is influence. That's why he called his 12 disciples. He said, I give you power. Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out demons. And then he said, now go and preach the gospel. And then he said this, freely you've received, freely give. What were they giving? Because he told them, don't take a purse. In other words, don't take your clothes. Don't take your duffel bag. Don't take your suitcase. But then he said, now give. Now what are they giving? He told them to go with nothing. What he's saying is, the kingdom's in you. Take the kingdom. The king, the kingdom is wherever the sovereign is. Are you with me? So he said, I'm, I'm going to make you sovereigns, and wherever you go, the kingdom goes. So, so really, our mission is to influence, spread the influence of the kingdom over the land of the earth. Now, if that's really our mission, the worst place to do that is a church. Doesn't that stand to reason? And that's why when people say, Pastor, you know, when we build that new building, are we going to have an educational wing where we can have all the life groups at the church? And I'm like, that would completely defeat the purpose. We're, we're not trying to get everybody necessarily on a piece of land. We're trying to get the kingdom influencing all the land. Right? Like, go to Starbucks. They need Jesus. Have you ever read about the owners of Starbucks and how that, like... I'm not, if you drink Starbucks, don't be condemned. That's okay. If we start this boycotting everyone that doesn't have Christian values, we're going to have to grow our own food but, and make our own medicine. But I'm just saying, like, Starbucks needs some Jesus, people. That's all I'm saying. Go meet there, right? Nothing would thrill me more than they say, you know, every time there's a Pathway Life group at Starbucks, our sales go up. Right? Here's, here's what you need to understand. When Jesus, or when God set up the earth as really a kingdom and made Adam sovereign, he said, I want you to dominate, dominate it. <laughs> Someone asked me one time, are you a dominion? Is your theology all about dominion? I'm like, I don't know. It's not about losing. I didn't know there was dominion theology, but I know if there's a loser theology, I'm not subscribing. I'm a king's kid. I don't feel like I should have to lose in anything. Right? <laughs> And then subdue it actually means to bring under its, its rule. To bring under its rule. That's what subdue actually means. To bring under the control of. So God said, you're, you're sovereign over, now bring the earth under control of. That's really what our mission still is. That's really what the church is supposed to be doing. Is everywhere we go, it's really about bringing the kingdom. Everywhere we go, it's about the influence of the kingdom. But we, we have to kind of take this journey to start thinking like royals, to start acting like sovereigns. And then to realize that it's not the preacher's job, we all go and announce, hey, there's kingdom here. So if I'm at work and someone has relationship problems, I'm like, hey, there's a kingdom here. Same message as Jesus. There's a kingdom here that really can take authority over whatever is wrecking your relationship, right? Someone who has sickness in their body, hey, there's a kingdom here, right? Your neighbor's not acting right. Hey, there's a kingdom here, right? That, that's, really, that's really what our objective is as sons, we're actually not the people that pray to prayer and we're waiting for the big bus to take us up to heaven and then God's going to nuke the planet. 
that's not even biblical theology. If it is, it's bad. Like that's not in the Bible. That's a drunk man or something like that. I don't know who came up with that, but that's not, that's not the way this actually works at all. God has actually given you the keys. He's made you the sovereign. He's made you the royal. Sometimes I think maybe the reason, because, you, you know, there again, you guys work real jobs, and I sit around and think of weird stuff. But, you know, I look all the time because I'm trying to solve problems, and I read the book of Acts and think, man, there's such power here. And I look at the modern-day church, and I think, now, we are more numerous than they were in the book of Acts. And while there is power being seen, it, it looks like it would be seen more. And then I start wondering, huh, I wonder if it's because we're not actually preaching the same message. And maybe if we shifted to aim at the other flag, we might see more of what we see in the Bible. It's just a thought. To me, it's worth exploration, right? I call this message the real gospel. I almost called it, will the real gospel stand up? Because what I want you to see is the message of Jesus, that he proclaimed the good news of a kingdom. That kingdom had a, had, had a solution and a provision and a mission for every person. Every person. Why don't you stand with me?